Thank you for listening to the Convergence Podcast. We pray that God speaks to you during this message and that he moves in your life. Last week we talked about um, God's love. We talked about um, that God has given us choice. And you can't have love without choice. Love has to operate in a place of freedom. So when God created Adam and Eve, he created us differently. He created us with a sense of morality. So um, we call it amoral, which means that like when he created the, the reptile kingdom and he created the animal kingdom, he built in, he locked into them something called instinct. They don't have the ability to choose morally like um, humans have the ability to choose morally. So birds do birdie things, cows do cowy things, they migrate, cows don't migrate, birds migrate. <laughs> um, you know, the animal kingdom is the animal kingdom, and, but when he created Adam and Eve, he created them with this, this uh, ability to actually choose love. And, and he's, he built us with the capacity to love. So um, people can make people or force people to do things, but no one can force you to love somebody. Love operates in a place of freedom. Though that you can be, you can be uh, controlled or even manipulated or told what to do, and there might be compliance, God has put it in the heart of every human being, this ability to love or not to love. And so we have, we have a choice that's in front of us. So God is love. That doesn't mean that God, you know, doesn't say God knows about love. The very essence of who God is is love. He is not only love, he's perfect love. And love always seeks the highest good for the object of their love. That's how I define love. Love is not a, love is not a feeling, though it embraces feelings. Love is actually a choice. It's actually seeking the highest good for the, for the object or the person that we love. And when we begin to stop looking and choosing the highest good, for the object of our love, that's when we fall into things called selfishness. And then the relationship actually begins to erode. So we have to understand foundationally that when we say God is love, his affection towards us is perfect. His affection towards us, his love for us, his, his pursuit of us is not about conforming into what we called in the Old Testament the law, but actually his pursuit for us comes out of a reckless abandon and a love for each and every single person that's in this room of viewing online. So we have a choice either to reject God or to accept him. And we don't have time to get into the fact that we sinned in the garden and the Old Testament is laid out with all kinds of crazy things, but it's still God pursuing the heart 
of his sons and daughters, his creation. So much so that he himself, in the person of Jesus Christ, emptied, themsel- emptied himself, according to Philippians chapter 2, came as a man, and he died on a cross as God. Because he became the perfect sacrifice, even then, at that point, dying as God, being fully God and fully man, dying, dying on the cross, he actually paid for the, the, the penalty of our sin so that there would be a place for mankind to receive what we call redemption. And the Holy Spirit, which is the, the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit's not an it, and the Holy Spirit is not God Jr., the Holy Spirit is the third person of the God, fully God. So he is pursuing mankind relentlessly to bring revelation of his love in the hopes and in the prayers and in the heart that they would turn from their sin and come into their divine purpose that God laid before them. Does that all make sense? So that's kind of what we talked about, kind of, what we talked about last week. So the foundation then is that God is love. That means that the moral laws of God are born out of perfect love. The laws of God are not binding and restrictive. The laws of God are actually designed for us to live out of a place, well, to live out, have Uh, how we have been designed to live. So when we see things in the first commandment, second commandment, we see things in, you know, the, the, the 10 commandments, we see all those are not to restrict us. It's actually to provide freedom to live as God has created you and I to live. We have to understand that when God created us, he created us with a specific design and purpose. In other words, when we begin to live outside of what the creator has designed us to do and be, then we begin to short circuit. We begin to fall into a lifestyle that is outside of how we've been designed. That's why I've said for, how long? How long we've been here? 24 years? We started this thing. Okay. Long time. All right. Like I said, for many, many years, That's why sin is unnatural. Sin is unnatural. Now, we have a sinful nature that propels us to slants us a certain way, thanks to Adam and Eve. We have the sinful nature that kind of pushes us or propels us a little bit that direction. But sin is unnatural because that's not how God designed us. God did not design you and me to walk in or sin. Sin to the human spirit is cancerous. It begins to destroy us and it begins to destroy how he has designed us. God despises sin, not only because he is holy, which we understand, but because sin actually works against who we are and how we're designed to live. We are designed to live in the presence of the living God. We are designed to live in the glory of the living God. 
That's what we see in the garden, that God walked with Adam and Eve. This is our purpose. But because we've sinned, we've actually come short of the glory of God, and we have, quote, missed the mark. This is why Jesus came. So we understand that God is love. That means that the moral laws of God are born out of perfect love. Then the Bible then is born out of the affection of a perfect heavenly father who wants to protect and provide for us. Everyone just say online, and some of you that are in the room, protect and provide. God's love seeks to, in, seeks and in, functions in two ways. If I can get my words out, it'd be great. To protect you and to provide for you. I know of no good parent, a good parent, not even a godly parent, but just a good parent that does not want to protect their children and to provide for their children. Pursuing the highest good always has in mind protection and provision. Now, my kids are all grown up, but I have grandkids. There they are. But when we had our kids, when they were younger, we still have them. (laughs) When they were younger, we would teach them, before you cross the street, stop, look, and listen. Did anyone else do that? Stop, look, and listen. Very, stop, look, and listen. Stop, look, and listen. You know, so, so when somehow if they got out, if we were out in the front, whatever, stop, look, and listen. Why did we do that? Number one, we wanted to protect them. We wanted to protect them from cars coming down the street, accidentally not seeing our kids, and somehow an accident takes place. We want to protect them, and we also want to provide for them. We want to provide a long life. We want to provide health. The reason why God has created you is to live in glory, to live in presence. The laws of God come to us to protect us and to provide for us. What we see in Scripture is to actually protect us and provide for us. To provide life now, here and now, but also to provide eternal life when we leave this place. So the laws of God serve us out of a place of love, when I, talk, when I talk about the laws of God, let's just talk about biblically, the Bible, the things that are written in the word of God are serving us in the way of we maximize how God has created us and the laws of God, the principles of God, whether it's the Old Testament, with the New Testament, with Saul's written, I mean, Paul's written, is, is there to protect and provide for us, period. So let me leave you with four thoughts in the 11 minutes that I have. Number one, the Bible leads us, the word of God leads us to our creator, defining our purpose and meaning and teaches us how to live from that reality. When we live outside of the word of God, we begin to live outside of our original design. We begin to live outside of our purpose. 
we begin to live outside of our, of our say, our mind or our heart, our desires, we begin to self-destruct. Just look at our culture. Just read the headlines. We see a, a world that's falling apart. We see revenge. We see envy. We see unforgiveness. We see jealousy. We see adultery. We see lust. We see greed. We see hatred. We see resentment. We see bitterness. Those things are not natural, though they're very present. We are not to live from that kind of a root system. They're not natural regardless of what you see on Netflix. What we see on Netflix, what we see in our movies, especially now, especially today, I shouldn't say that, it's kind of dating me, is their narrative on trying to communicate to us what is normal. That is not how God's designed you and me to live. So when we flip on a movie, they're trying to teach us, they're trying to normalize behavior. I mean, shows like Greenleaf, that's on Netflix, I think I got the title right. Did I get the title right? I don't know. It's about a ministry family. A black ministry family that's involved in greed, adultery, uh, homosexuality. These things are all sprouting from this ministry family because the producers are trying to create a normative, a, a narrative that this is normative, and it's not. We are not designed to live with nor carry any of the things I just read. They're cancerous, they're disease to the soul and to the body, to our life, and that disease actually spreads. If we don't have Jesus within us, then our identity is found in something other than our creator. Our creator is our heavenly father who is our source of life. He's God the father. Can we say amen? amen? Identity found in something else or in someone else will only short circuit our life. Then it's, if it's not found in God, our creator and our father, then there's a search to find out who am I and what is the meaning of life? What's the purpose? What's my significance? So we look elsewhere. So we look to work. We look to race. We look to social status. We look to gender. Or even we look to someone else's thoughts or opinions about what they say and what they think. And those things begin to define us. You're not defined by race. You're not defined just by gender. You're not defined by your social status. You're defined by your creator. You're defined 
by your heavenly Father who created you in his image and likeness. So if I were to ask you a question, tell me about who you are, your first response is, I'm a son of the living God. And if you're a woman, I am a daughter of the living God. That is your identity and everything else flows from that identity. It's not I'm black or white or Hispanic. It's not about my, my, my social status. It's not about this. It's not about that. It's, it's not about all those kinds of things. We have a, a culture that is orphaned. We have people who are riding our streets, who are burning flags. They're burning Bibles. They're doing crazy things in our cities. Because, but my heart, my heart is broken because they're just orphaned kids. Now, you can put a political spin on it, I understand, but if you dig down to the root system, there's pain that's, that's associated with their behavior, and there's also a sense of pride that's associated with their behavior, because it says in Romans 1 that the unrighteous suppress the truth. But I would tend to, I would tend to fall on the side that there's so much pain because we have such a fatherless nation. We have, we have homes that have been abandoned of father and mother, and we have broken kids who are responding in their brokenness, trying to figure out, some, trying to figure out their identity, and they're searching for their identity and their race and everything else, and your true identity is found in God and God alone. That's our message to the world. That's your message to the world. But if we don't understand our purpose as God our Father has designed it, if we don't understand the revelation that we're sons and daughters of the living God, then we're going to seek meaning somewhere else. That's all they're trying to do. Yes, it's, yes, the gasoline's been put on it. Yeah? Yes, there's been fuel added to the fire. But if you're completely disconnected and you're trying to find purpose and meaning, you will jump in organizations that you sense has purpose and meaning. They're just outside of the covering of God. Does that make sense? So then, we're left with defining ourselves any way that we want to, looking for love, looking for acceptance, and looking for significance. And the one who created you is the only one who can define you. Now, we can create, we can even create falsely, we can create genders. We can create ways of governing our lives. We can reach for power, but it does not, nor will not, fulfill the space, the longing in the human heart 
the reason why we're alive. The truth is this. Every single person has a private life. Is that true? So when the rioting is over, they go back to their private life. They sit in a broken room, and they're wondering, what's the purpose of all this? And they can maybe drown it up another night, another night, but you know, there's only a space God can fill. Why? Because he created you in his image and likeness. The scripture says he's actually written his laws on our heart and our mind. And all these things that we just talked about seek to replace how God, how we are designed by our creator, our heavenly father on how to live. So the Bible, the word, this is the point, that was all introduction. Yikes. The Bible, the word of God, is, giving, is given by a loving father to lead you and me to Jesus, say amen, who is the way, the life, the truth. I didn't get that all right. To give us purpose, meaning, and significance. Then the word and the spirit, from that reality, the word and the spirit teaches us how to live the life that God has predestined you to live from the very foundations of the world to come into your purpose and your destiny here on earth and forever. Because there is a forever. You are meant to live forever. Now that's mind blowing. Because we live in an orphaned culture, We fight for causes, many are fatherless, and we've misplaced. Many are functioning and living out of a misplaced identity. That's why we are the salt of the earth. That's why we are light on a hill, city on a hill. We are a light to the world because we have the answer to their identity crisis. Any reason why they want to shut the doors of the church? Whatever they try and do, whatever they try and legislate, it will not work. Uh, I'm about to get rowdy and I don't have enough time. Now, it does say in Romans 1 that some have rejected the truth for a lie. In other words, the love of God will continue, continue to pursue you. And you actually will have to make a choice on either to accept that or to suppress it. I mean, Romans 1 
Paul, right out of the gate, doesn't mess around. Read it. So he says the unrighteous, suppress means this. It means to, it means to push down like this. You just, truth comes, you push it down. Truth comes, you push it down. Truth comes, you keep pushing it down, and you reject it. And Romans 1 says you become foolish because you exchanged the truth of God for a lie. People who don't, and only God can judge, we love. We don't wave our finger at, I don't wave our finger at people and say, you're going to hell, you know. It's the kindness, it's the goodness of God that draws men to repentance. But it's the reality of when truth comes, we do have choice. And sometimes we have to understand too that God is just and God is fair and God is righteous and God is all those things and that his kindness is reaching us very, very uh, specifically and very, very um, intentionally to every individual where they live. You don't fully know my world, and I don't know yours, but God does. Yeah. You don't understand my pain, not fully, and I don't understand your pain, not fully, but he does. He knows if you've been abused, neglected. He understands the deep parts of your heart that no one else knows about. He knows about it. But he doesn't know about it in wrath. He knows about it in love. So the Bible lays on the foundation of God's love, not his wrath. So if I took my Bible, this is only point one, and I'm, I gotta wrap it up. We'll hit more of it tomorrow. Oh my gosh. See, this is what happens when I have a late service Saturday night, and then I come in here, all right. You know, this is very, very super simple. Like, the foundation to the word is the love of God. It's not the wrath of God. What is the wrath of God? Well, here's how I define the wrath of God. Of course, there's a lot of probably differences in opinion on what it is, but here's how I define it out of Romans 1. The wrath of God is not the baseball bat father who clubs us. And for some reason, that has been perpetuated in our culture. That God is continually ticked off and upset. That's not a picture of what I see in Christ. I see a continual reach so much so that he, I mean, come on. He left heaven and came down and died for you and me. I mean, that's unfathomable. The uncreated, that's how much he's pursuing us. The wrath of God 
is us continually suppressing the truth and stepping out of the umbrella of grace. He's continuing to pursue us, but because of our pride and arrogance, our rejection of God for whatever lie we're believing, we step out of the umbrella of his grace and we step into things outside of that, which there is pain, envy, resentment, greed, you know, evil. And even though we stepped outside of that, that becomes the wrath of God, not because God is pounding us over the head over something. We're actually stepping out, intentionally making choices to step out of the, the, the boundaries of his word, right? right? And we step out of the, the grace of God that, that he has provided for us, and we take these slow steps out. And before we know it, the Bible says we become reprobate. Is it God's fault? Absolutely not. It's our decision. Does God ever stop loving you? Absolutely not. I mean, he'll put, you'll have divine encounters. He'll put people in your life. He'll put, he'll, the word will be preached to you some way, somehow. He will demonstrate his love for you. Even in your pain, he'll demonstrate his love for you. Continue to do so. We have to actually, earn, how can I say this with a, this is really getting heavy. We actually, we actually earn our way into hell. Hell? Yes. There is something called the lake of fire. Yes. Love demands justice. So that's our intention. That's what the word of God says. So... Oh, how do I wrap this up on a very good note? It's only when we trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior that he puts within us a desire and gives us the power to live according to his word. And that's how we're wired to live. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Jesus gives us, with the Holy Spirit, all of heaven gives us the power and the ability to live according to how he has designed us to live. I might not understand, I'll end with this. I'm asking the Lord, how do I want to end this? And I want to encourage everybody. <laughs> I do want to encourage you guys. Hope you guys feel encouraged. Oh my gosh. All right. If I have the understanding that God is love and everything that he has written in this book comes out of that design, he is love. That means that everything that is written in this book serves to protect me and provide for me. So if I'm reading in Philippians and it gives me instruction, that instruction is to actually propel me into my purpose and to provide for me and to protect me. If I'm reading in Colossians, if I'm reading in Ephesians and I come across something that is very, very clear but I don't understand, 
I trust him enough to know that he knows what he's saying and doing, and I really don't. A child might not understand when a mom and dad say, don't do this. And they're usually their famous thing is, why? And they don't say it like that. They might say, really, why? And so you, you try and communicate why. And they say, why? You know, one pastor said, you know, the, the, the kids kept on asking why, and he went back to all the way back to, like, the, the devil hates Jesus. You know, it started with, you don't eat this, and then it went down to devil hates Jesus, right? So... So, because it kept on going because of sin, and because, why, why sin, and because of this, why that, because, because the devil hates Jesus. So, there's things in Scripture that are laid out that I, don't under, I might not understand, I ask for revelation on. But even when I don't understand it, I know he's a good dad. I know it's in Scripture for my highest good. It's to bring me into the, my purpose and my destiny now and through eternity. So I read that and I, and I say, Father, give me revelation on this. I don't understand it, but I'll clearly obey it. Why? Because I understand it's the love of God as the foundation for the Word of God. It's not the wrath of God. It's the love of God. So now when I pick up the Scripture, it's a love letter from my dad. It's teaching me how to live. It's teaching me how to raise a family. It's teaching me how to have an amazing marriage. It's teaching me about what is a family? It's teaching me about what, what is true sexuality. It's teaching me about violence, about nonviolence. It's teaching me about walking in peace. It's teaching me about how to receive joy. It's te- These are all things that God has designed us to live by. This is why there is such an attack, and there will be on the Word of God, because this is central to how we're designed to live, and no matter what form of government has been taken through hundreds and even thousands of years, it has not, it has not destroyed the pages that are in between this leather, and it will not. So when Russia's formed, they, they burn Bibles. When communist countries, I, I read this years ago, they burn Bibles. They burn Bibles. In China, they get rid of Bibles. They're trying to stamp out how God has designed us to live and God being the ultimate authority in our life, but it will not work. The Word of God will endure. Why? Because God is the one who governs the nations. And He'll see to it that His love letter to humanity endures. Because He keeps reaching. And as time moves forward, you will see a continual attack on what is written right here. And we're going to have a choice as Americans. We're going to have a choice as believers. Do we believe this or do we believe the popular narrative? 
And we're going to have to make a stand. But it's not just a stand on the Word of God. It's an understanding that is born out of the love of God. Now, that provides fuel for me to preach the message of the gospel because it's born out of a heart of a heavenly father, which is infinitely amazing. And it's there to provide protection, provision, and eternal life for the person I'm bringing the word to. Culture will teach us that this is restrictive, that this is not fair, that this is unloving. It couldn't be any further from the truth. In fact, it's the complete opposite. But because their minds are darkened and because they're orphaned, that's how they view God. You are the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. We have the message. I encourage all of us to bring the message. Listen, not only do we carry the message, we have all of heaven supporting the message. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like the Holy Spirit is working on the hearts of every person on the planet drawing them to Jesus and he needs messengers and you're commissioned you're commissioned but if we see the word of God as restrictive and unloving we'll be almost ashamed of it and not deliver it oh man there's so much more to say but I'm out of time 15 minutes behind. Jordan tries really hard. Oh, sorry, son. I think the... Well, let's stand. For those of you that are in the room, let's stand. If you're at home, you can stand too. Second Timothy chapter 3, 16 says, listen, all scripture is God-breathed. All scripture is God-breathed. <sighs> far more than a book. It's a book that has the breath of God on it. And it's life for you and me. Especially when you just pray a simple prayer. Holy Spirit, open up the pages of this book. Simple prayer. The Lord will bring revelation. Father, thank you for the living word, which is Jesus. 
and thank you for the written word. Thank you, Lord God, that the word of God, though persecuted, tried to be eliminated, burned, thrown out, buried, the word of God will endure. The written word and the living word, for sure. Thank you, Lord, that even when people are trying to do these kinds of things, you have written your laws on our heart and mind. We're actually born with these. And we want to pray for an orphaned culture that is looking for purpose and meaning. We want to pray for an orphaned culture that is seeking out their true identity. And we just say to that culture, uh, we declare to that culture that Jesus is your purpose, your meaning, and your life. God, I pray that you would raise up people who would carry the love of God into the darkest places. They would carry the love of God into the darkest places. They would carry the word of God into the darkest places. I mean, I'm talking about not just these, the riot-filled cities at this point, but I'm talking about the little rooms where people sit down and they just try, they're just weeping because they don't, they don't understand their purpose. They're, they're crying out. They're empty. God, may we carry the light of the gospel, preach the gospel, share the gospel to a broken world. And I want to pray for anyone who is possibly in this room jo- joining us online that if you're, if you're far away from the Lord, You feel a resistance to the word of God. I want to pray that there'll be a breakthrough for you today. Truth is never afraid of questions. Truth is never afraid of questions. So if there's a barrier, if there's resistance, Talk to your father about it. Talk to your heavenly father about it because he's never afraid of a question. He wants to draw near. Would you let him? Would you let him draw near? Lord, I pray that there would be a growing hunger in every believer's heart, especially not just in this place, and, but around in our nation for sure, around the world a passion for the Word of God. God, we ask that you would put it in our hearts. Memorizing the Word, writing the Word, singing the Word, because it's your heart to us. We receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. For more messages just like this, go ahead and subscribe to our channel.
God bless. <laughs>